Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you can be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com slash free. Hey everyone, welcome back to Melanin and Miles. It's Janelle here, and this week I am doing an interview with Katrina. Katrina left her job to travel the world for 20-ish months and lived her life on her own terms. She's such an enthusiastic world traveler and digital nomad, and her advice on career breaks, money, and travel has been shared across various outlets, including Forbes, Smarter Travel, Thrive Global, and Yahoo. And I just want to welcome Katrina, and I'm excited to hear more of her travel story and what advice you can give y'all in the whole whole digital nomad world. So welcome, Katrina. Thank you, Janelle. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So for people unfamiliar with your story, can you tell us a bit about yourself, like where you're from and how your background really ties in with travel? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually grew up in um, rural West Virginia, which is not a travel hotspot. So for me, travel was always very aspirational. Um, I grew up sort of having the sense of wanderlust, but not really being able to fulfill it until, you know, I moved to Atlanta um, at 21 after I'd graduated from college. And I basically started a life that felt successful, I think, in the beginning, and that looked really successful on paper. But, you know, navigating through my first career as an actuary for eight years and realizing that was not where my passion lied. And then going back to get my MBA and trying to change my whole life and my second career and realizing when I started that second career market research that, you know, I was not meant for corporate. I think all of this was building and, you know, I did start to really travel abroad when I went to get my MBA. I purposely chose a school that was going to let me, you know, live in Barcelona. I got to live in Barcelona for a semester, which was just mind blowing and amazing and travel to Costa Rica and stay with a host family and go to Egypt and Turkey, you know, um, and see Paris. And so it was amazing. Um, but I really didn't have the time, right. in these corporate jobs to travel the way that I wanted to. And so when this sort of realization hit me in my second career, that corporate was not meant for me and that I was feeling really burned out, it became clear that what I actually wanted to do was take a break to travel the world. And so I only had $1,500 in my bank account at that time. And I had a lot of debt from my business school degree. So, you know, I went on this mission to save as much money as I could. And I managed to save $40,000 in 18 months. And then I left my job and I traveled until I was almost broke, which ended up being, like you mentioned, um, about 20 months. And so for me, it was sort of this arc in my life of wanting it, desiring it, not knowing how to even remotely make it possible. No one around me was doing it. You know, my family didn't do international travel to just becoming a person that not only had taken trips, but had like 
lived abroad and then just created nothing but space and time to fully explore this planet and to find joy in adventure and in travel. Nice. That's so amazing that you're able to do all of that. And um, like the target audience, obviously for the podcast is younger women, but also we have listeners of all ages that most likely do have student debt. Cause I feel like that's a <laughs> loans are a thing that everyone has now. How did you, how are you able to still prioritize travel and still make it happen for yourself with, you know, student loans and all that? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. So, you know, I took on a lot of debt doing my undergrad, which was about 20, I think 25 K for me personally. Um, and then my parents took on some loans as well. And so when I came out, you know, I was used to paying those loans and I had just sort of was in the wrapping up stages of paying off the undergrad loans when I started taking on loans for my MBA. And so when I graduated, I probably had about $60,000 worth of debt. Um, and of course, like insanely high interest rates on top of that. And so, you know, in my first sort of second career corporate job, which was working as a market researcher for General Mills, I was able to take lump sums and pay some of that 60K down. But when I had this epiphany that all I wanted to do was travel the world and go see some stuff, um, I only... I, I still had about 45, 50 ish thousand dollars left to pay off. So I got really clear on my priorities. And, you know, this was actually a really big question I had to answer for myself several times because as I started saving this $40,000, I would look at my bank account and be like, oh my God, I have $20,000. Oh, this is so amazing. I'm halfway there. But would the more responsible thing be to just like pay off my loans and then I'm not paying interest? And then maybe I can like start saving again and take a career break later. But what was true for me is, you know, at this point in my life, I was about 32 years old. I really felt like nothing in life is guaranteed. Absolutely nothing. And I wanted to see the world when I had the health and the desire and the passion and the interest to do it. And I was so tired, even at just like the age of 32, I was already so tired of putting my desires and my dreams behind all of the like air quotes, reasonable and successful things I thought I should be doing all of the obligations that I thought I had or the responsible things that I felt like, you know, a, a reasonably successful person would do. And it was really like, this is my time. And if I don't do it now, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to do it. So I continued making my minimum payments um, on my student loans while saving for my break. But I got really clear that this break was my absolute priority. And so once I had that 40 K, I was able to like take off. I knew I had enough money, you know, to travel at least for a year, which actually ended up being longer. And I put the loans that I had into forbearance, um, and deferment depending on the loan type so that I wasn't paying interest on some, some, I was accruing interest, but I just knew I'll take, I'll take this later. I'll deal with this later. This year is for me. This time is for me. And doggone it. I'm going to go get my dream. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Like that's, I'm super happy you did that. Like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, don't really want to prioritize the travel and that's why they don't do it. But it's like, you know, you're our young now <laughs> you are healthy now. You might as well take advantage, you know? Absolutely. You know, and I think life is so magical, but we have to like make space for the magic to appear. And, you know, yeah. I became debt-free 21 months after I came back from my break. And it was because of the person I became while I was saving for that break. And while I was taking that break and I felt so 
re-inspired and recharged and just renewed in a sense from having had that experience, plus learning how to save money, like a crazy person, you know, like a ninja, like a budget ninja. It was, it was amazing. And so I'm debt free, right? Like I came back, I paid off all my debt before, you know, the average of my peer set that hadn't taken a break would have paid off debt. So, you know, it's not like we always have to make this choice, sort of this absolute you know, black and white decision. It's like, we can open ourselves up to magical thinking and life being even better than we realize it can be. Most definitely. And I want to pivot the conversation a bit more to your personal travel story. I know you've been to plenty of places in the time that you were off traveling, but tell us a bit about your nomad cruise. Uh, You went from Barcelona to Brazil with 300 digital nomads. Yes. Yes. So I think I got targeted by a Facebook ad originally, which is how I discovered it. But I was intrigued and I was on a second career break of sorts. So I took sort of a second break as well, because travel is such a huge passion of mine. And I was like, let's do this. I was sort of half digital nomad, half on a career break, taking some clients, but not working full time. And it just felt like this amazing opportunity. So, you know, the Nomad Cruise existed for several years pre-pandemic. Now they've sort of morphed it into more of a meetup, but um, and, and a travel thing, but on land. But it was so fantastic. So I flew to Europe in September and the cruise was leaving around Thanksgiving time. So like late November. So I basically knew, you know, with the being a U.S. citizen, I had about 90 days to just travel around Western Europe. So I flew in to London hopped around. I spent, oh my gosh, the most magical three weeks in Italy. I flew into Milan, which I had never been to before. And I literally just planned my trip day by day. So I remember one night I was, I had been in the Cinque Terre for like maybe two or three nights and seen that area. And it was beautiful, but super touristy. And I was just feeling like I wanted to go somewhere else. And so I thought maybe I'll go to Florence. Um, but I didn't have any travel booked. And like that night was my last night in my hotel. So I was planning out my trip and I was like, okay, when I come back from dinner, I'm going to book my train. I'm going to, you know, like go to Florence. And I found some places I could stay. I went to dinner. I sat next to this couple that was from Scotland who were very friendly and super hilarious. And they started asking me questions and they were like, you're going to, you're leaving tomorrow and you don't know where you're going. They're like, don't go to Florence, go to Genoa. And I was like, what Genoa, what are you talking about? And they're like, it was our favorite stop. It is so magical. It is so local. Like it's on the water too, but it's a city, but it's Gothic and it has history and it has art. And it was this rich sort of like, you know, like area before time. So they have these amazing, like amazing architecture. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. So that night I went home to my, you know, Airbnb and I ended up booking a last minute train ticket and, um, a couple of nights in a different Airbnb in Genoa. And it was one of my most favorite stops. So just even before the cruise started being able to travel Europe on a whim for two, two and a half months was magical. And then I met up with all these other nomads and we got on the ship together for two weeks at sea. I think we stopped in like Cape Verde and, um, maybe Tenerife and some other places, maybe like three or four places, but it was mostly at sea. And it was so fascinating. You know, they had webinar, not webinars, but like presentations and workshops and things where you were like learning all these aspects of running an online business or being a nomad and taking care of yourself while you're traveling all the time. And it was just so cool to be in a gigantic room of people 
where I was not the weirdo for being this digital nomad who wandered around. And I just learned there were so many ways to be a nomad, right? You can be an expat who, you know, changes locations occasionally. You can work in your home country for six months and then take six months off and travel. Like there's just really your creativity is the only limiting factor and how you can bring your um, desire and passion for travel to life. And so that was really inspiring as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Like I've always wanted to, I mean, I, I'm not a digital nomad, but I've always just wanted to like have a sneak peek into that world. Um, have you ever stayed in one of the like digital nomad houses or hostels that are kind of like scattered throughout South America or Central America? Oh, that's such a great question. I have not. So I have attended a couple of random meetups, but I haven't ever done like the co-working spaces where, um, you know, where people come sort of in transition. I actually met some nomads who do and have done that and they've had really good things to say, generally speaking, but I feel like it's hit or miss. So definitely do your research okay. before, Yeah, before you commit, but I've had some, I've heard some great experiences in there too. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've always like, just thought that was a cool, I mean, I feel like it would be more fun to stay there than it would be at a general hostel. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like the people there are kind of like on the same wavelength. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. I would Absolutely. Think so. Yeah. I agree. But yeah, that's such a cool, like experience. Like a lot of people don't get the chance to do that. So that's so interesting. I kind of want to check out these like different experiences in the town you're at in Italy. Like I've been to Florence and Rome and like SEC, like the main places, but never where you said so. Oh my gosh. It's so amazing. That's where pesto was born and a bunch of other random things, but the food there is absolutely amazing. So if you like eating, I highly recommend (laughs) you go. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. And how about you said you lived like a local for a month in Argentina. How was that? It was so fantastic. Buenos Aires is definitely my happy place. I just feel every time I'm, I'm flying in and the plane starts to descend. It's like, I feel this energy start to ripple where it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm going back to my happy place. It just feels so good to be there. But the first time I went there, I had never, it was sight unseen and I booked an Airbnb for a month and it was in a really awesome sort of tourist friendly area. And so I felt pretty good about that. And I was just like, I'm going to go. I just, I knew I was going to like it, or I had this sneaking suspicion. I was really going to like it. So I was like, I want to go for a month and I want to just know it. I just want to be able to find like a favorite bakery and to see different museums and to maybe take some language classes and just discover it slowly instead of feeling like I flew in and did a bunch of things and then flew out. And so it was such a magical experience. Um, you know, my host was awesome. He was so friendly and his girlfriend was so amazing too. She was from Colombia, And so they would sometimes offer to like take me out or do things with me. Uh, I think we celebrated his birthday out like at some restaurant. And then they took me to some fair an hour outside the, the city where people were on horses doing this interesting activity. I can't even remember what it's called, but it was really fun. And I just got to see this really colorful, vibrant city. It was super affordable. You know, I stayed near Palermo where there are a ton of trees. So it's this mix kind of like Condesa in um, Mexico city, but it's sort of this mix of city meets residential park. And it was so fantastic. And about four years after that, I, I loved it so much. I actually did the same thing. So in December, cause that was their summer and I love to go there when it's warm. I booked another Airbnb in a different area and I just went there to have the best life and to eat amazing food and, you know, take in the sunshine and just stroll the city practicing my Spanish. Nice. And I guess you were practicing your Spanish, but did you feel compelled to completely know the language beforehand or was it kind of a learn as you go experience? Yeah, I did speak some Spanish, not fluently before I went, but 
you know, being in country, my Spanish always gets better because I'm using it. And so I would say my personal experience was that there were definitely situations I was in where it would have been really hard to navigate with zero Spanish. Um, even Mm -hmm. though it is a big city, I found that my mediocre Spanish was super helpful in, in certain settings. However, (laughs) I did make friends my second visit with a guy who was from England and he refused, like he didn't know any Spanish and he refused to even pretend that he was interested (laughs) in trying. And so he would like roll up in, like we went out for, he loved coffee and I loved ice cream. So we would go on these like jaunts to like find the best coffee and ice cream. And we rolled up to this chocolate shop with ice cream. And I was trying in my like, you know, mediocre Spanish to get what I wanted. This guy was like trying to explain where the ice cream was. It was in a different building, like around the corner. I of course did not understand those words, but my (laughs) friend wanted coffee and he just kept loudly repeating himself coffee. Oh God. (laughs) Coffee. And I was like so embarrassed, but this is what happened. Somebody, he went, this guy, the server guy went in the back and he got the one person that spoke English and brought him out so that Richard, this guy that I was with could get his coffee. And I, I kind of half jokingly, it's like, you're such a colonizer, Richard. Like you don't even try, um, you know, but like, he just, that's what he would do. He would walk into a store and he would just repeat himself 3000 times. Like I'm looking for rice, 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 anyone, oh my rice. Gosh. <laughs> but it works. So I guess he taught me that, you know, like there's a spectrum. And I guess if you don't speak any Spanish, you'll probably be fine. Um, if you're not afraid of some awkward moments. And I feel like that's another thing that kind of like deters people from wanting to travel is that they don't speak the language, but like, I don't think that'll like completely ruin your experience. It's always nice if you know a few words, but like, it's not going to like ruin the experience if you don't speak Spanish or Italian or wherever you go. Oh, absolutely. I only speak some, like I said, mediocre Spanish. I don't speak Italian. I don't speak French. I was in Southeast Asia for almost four months. I don't speak any of those, but I have found people are so kind and so helpful. If you know, um, hello, please. And thank you. If you can just even write those three words down, they go so far and people are so excited to help you. And they just feel it's like, it's like being really considerate, right. And sort of demonstrating a willingness to like acknowledge that you're not in your home country anymore. And I just find that goes so far, just those three words, even if you just write them down and practice them, you know, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. Like you have some great travel stories and we might have to do like a part two or something to (laughs) to talk about some more, but so we don't run too long into the interview. I'm going to go ahead and jump to a couple of the final questions. One is where can the audience find you on any platform, social media, if they want to see your travel story and kind of follow along with your journey? Yeah, I show up on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram uh, at kmcgmcgheee coaching. And I share a lot of my um, travels there, especially through store IG stories. Um, So definitely check me out there. All right. And yeah, I'll link that in the show notes too. So um, the audience can easily find you. And my last question I ask in every interview is why do you think more Black women should travel? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Travel for me really immersed me in so much magic that is in this world. Like there are so many different ways to live. Just the planet itself is a beautiful, beautiful place. And in my travel experience, I found the ability to revel in it, to be incredibly soul filling, nourishing, and so inspirational. And I think of all the people on the planet, you know, black women really deserve that experience. They deserve to be nourished. They deserved to have and find the magic in life. Right. And they deserve to be inspired. And so I, you know, I hope that, you know, 
we, we can encourage so many more black women to travel. I think that's so important for them to be able to have that. Definitely. Thank you so much again, Katrina, for doing this interview and reach back out so we can do a part two. Cause I feel like you have definitely shared a lot of stuff. I would love the audience to hear. So I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, follow her on Instagram. <laughs>